2: Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell, with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours on The Breakfast Buffet. This morning on The Bottom Line, we'll be out and about across Carlow and Kakenny tracking two government ministers as they meet local businesses and review how business is progressing in this area over the last challenging number of years. David Carpendale, the man behind furniture design company David Oliver Bespoke will join us to tell us the story of his business. But first, over the past week here on Casey Law, we've been marking 18 years of the station which first went on air on May the 6th, 2004. So we thought it would be a good idea to have a bit of a look back at business over that period. And joining me on the line are two regular contributors who've been with me at various stages over the last 18 years. First, I'm delighted to welcome Tom Malloy, who in 2004, when Casey KCLR first hit the airwaves, was uh, editor of the Kakenny People newspaper in this area. He progressed on to become group business editor with Independent News and Media, and he's currently director of communications in Trinity College, Dublin. Good morning, Tom.
3: Good morning, John, and happy birthday. Oh,
2: thanks very much. And also on the line is Colin Duggan, President of Carlow Chamber of Commerce and, of course, General Manager of the Woodford Dolmen and a regular contributor to the programme as well. Good morning to you, Colin
4: good morning john and congratulations on your 18th
2: birthday yeah well sure look it's it's uh, it's good to have lasted this long and uh, it's very interesting to look back over the last 18 years tom uh, 2004 back then ireland a different country but the same in many ways as well but really uh, interesting we were chatting before we came on air we didn't know what an iphone was in 2004
3: yeah, that, that, that is an amazing thought, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I think the iPhone came in 2007, so it's that, that pre-smartphone world where, where radio stations and indeed local newspapers were even more important uh, perhaps than they are today in terms of getting, getting up-to-date news and finding out what's going on in, in your locality. I, I remember, I remember the, the first days of KCLR very well, actually. Uh, you know, as the editor of the Kilkenny People, we were looking across at, uh, at this new rival, And uh, we were very impressed. You know, it felt like, at the time, a very slick operation, a very uh, intelligent kind of mix of of of, uh, presenters and shows and so on. And uh, I remember being being a little alarmed, but also very (laughs) delighted because you know it is good to have competition, and it's Mm -hmm. good to have good competition. And in fact, you know, in in retrospect, um, you you sparked something of a kind of a what would you call it a competitive renaissance because not too long after you the the Kikini voice came along and then I think there was the Carlo voice as well wasn't it yeah. and, uh, and then they closed and you know as, as, as media goes up and down but but uh, you know you've 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 really bedded down and prospered and are absolutely part of the the community now it's it's a great achievement
2: yeah well thanks for that tom um colin uh you're in the tourism and hospitality business of course representing all business as president of the chamber a lot of fundamentals have have stayed the same but when i when i look back um i was interested to see in 2004 the smoking ban came into operation and uh that's probably a big change looking back over 18 years in in your area of work
4: totally I, like, I remember going to work uh, in my younger years um and coming out stinking of smoke uh, after a long day's work you know um but i i think that's one of the positive things in in hospitality um and we we found new spaces uh, outdoor uh, outdoor spaces uh, for for those smokers and then we, we last year we, we uh, uh, hospitality developed even more space outside Um, uh, for those smoking and non-smoking
2: Yeah I think if we look back to 2004 the thought of people having meals outside in January or February uh, would have been absolutely unthinkable but it just shows you how things changed, and that of course was brought on by the pandemic
4: yeah yeah it's so true but but Irish people adapt very quickly if you think about the uh, the the smoking ban we we also uh, the plastic bag charging for plastic bags we, we, uh, you would have been laughed at uh, 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 at that time but we're very adaptable, and, and, and we've shown that as well through COVID too.
2: Yeah, uh, Tom, uh, you were talking about, you know, we were talking about the media back in, in 2004. Google was only founded in uh, 1998, so in 2004, Google is only on the go for six years, and if I remember correctly, um, there was a kind of choice of search engines, like you could use AltaVista or a couple of different ones. Yahoo was another search engine, but the internet and social media has really revolutionized business we'll talk to you colin in a in a, a second about online booking and all that sort of stuff but tom you know we've seen a, an absolute revolution and, and tremendous speed of change over those 18 years
3: we have and and i suppose not only that but you know in 2004 we were just really recovering from the, the tech crash that was triggered by by ultimately by 9-11 and the, the kind of disinvestment that went on it wasn't it seems incredible in retrospect but it wasn't clear at the time that uh, this kind of tech thing was going to kind of catch on was it yeah because when you
2: say it we were coming out of a crash uh, and there was a lot of scepticism
3: a lot lot of dodgy companies or probably good companies as well disappeared in that crash Uh, and yeah and I I suppose the other one that's really kind of hard to imagine now is that Amazon was just a bookseller back then it was uh, uh, something that uh, bookshops didn't feel any any worry about and and other retailers didn't think about at all yeah of course it's Again, change change the landscape to a degree
2: Yeah and Facebook uh, of course started in 2004 and I did a bit of research and the first mention in the Irish Times about Facebook didn't come until 2006 and surprise surprise that was about three students in Alabama who were uh, charged with burning down a church a joke having started on Facebook which got out of hand Um, there's been a lot of negatives with social media in the meantime as well and they've changed society Tom
3: they have, although, you know, it has to be said that, unfortunately and disgracefully, churches have been burning down in Alabama for, for centuries now. You know, it's, it's it's that that kind of thing that we always do when new new things come about. We, we blame them for, for old all things. I think Collins' point is is really true that, that Irish people are adaptable and, and people in general. What, what it does seem to me though that that the kind of the Celtic Tiger years, and of course, two thousand and four, things were already becoming a bit frothy. One of the things I, I miss a little bit about the Tiger is I think we were particularly kind of open for change. Everything seemed to change. I, I remember a small thing when I was editing the Kikini people was when we moved from miles to kilometers on, on uh, car clocks, and, uh, but also on the, the roads, and every sign was kind of changed overnight. Huge operation went absolutely like clockwork. You know, nothing, nothing bad happened. Or the move towards kind of wheelie bins, all these small things that, that modernized us and made sense mm. uh, and you know one doesn't think about it now but they've all made life that bit easier that bit i would say better
2: yeah and colin um we were talking about uh, online and the move online um i presume uh, in in the hospitality industry online booking was only a fraction if it was even in existence back in in 2004 in those early years of the 21st century but now it's hugely important
4: Totally, yeah. After, uh, back in 2004, uh, it was unheard of uh, to, uh, to, to book uh, a bedroom or book a flight uh, mm. uh, online. Now, 70% of all bookings coming into to our hotel would, would be uh, th- uh, via online booking. Mm. You know, and and it just, it's so powerful, too. You know, and, and even TripAdvisor is a tool to advise uh, 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 people where to go or what to do and to take people's advice on 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 their experience yeah you know that's so important the uh, whole involvement uh, uh,
2: of consumers yeah. in in kind of reviewing rating uh, and boosting uh, properties
4: yeah yeah and, and we, we embrace that in in, in that it, it guides you on where you need to correct or what's good what's working in your business or
2: and what's not working, you know. Yeah, now, Tom, going back, 2010 would have been uh, the year that I, I first started doing the, the bottom line, as far as I recall. And, and you were a uh, group business editor in um, uh, independent news and media at the time. And we used to chat regularly. And my God, did we have some big issues uh, to chat about. I'm going to play a clip uh, which is going to bring us back to the 30th of November, uh, 2010. Have a listen to this. It's been a tumultuous week in business and politics. Talk us through the last seven days.
3: Well, I, I suppose uh, seven days ago we, we, we were still in denial about the uh, likelihood of a bailout, as you'll remember. I think it was, uh, yeah, just seven days ago. Now we obviously know that uh, we are going to be bailed out. We know there's going to be a general election. We, uh, we know that the, the, most of the four-year plan has been leaked um, so we have a pretty good idea what's going to happen there when it's announced tomorrow.
2: So the markets... Uh, sorry, Tom.
3: and We know that the markets don't believe that uh, this is any solution. Yes,
2: yeah, so I was just about to say, like, the markets were looking for clarity. Uh, we hear that the markets uh, don't mind bad news, but they hate uncertainty. Uh, the uncertainty, apparently, we thought it had finished. What's up with the markets? They're not in good humour.
3: It's, it's a bloodbath out there tonight.
2: Uh, Bring us up to shared. date. Well, European shares have fallen, it depends how you measure them, but they've fallen about
3: 2.5%, which is the biggest one-day fall since since August, so for three or four months now. So they obviously don't like what's happening. Irish bond years rising, uh, cost of borrowing. The shares in Bank of Ireland fell 31% at one stage today. They're down about 25% now. It is a complete fiasco. And basically, everybody is lining up and saying one thing, which is, and it's perfectly obvious when you think about it, that bailing out Ireland
2: isn't going to help Portugal. He- Tom, um, incredible to think back uh, to those days. I remember you and I specking on a regular basis whether the euro would still be in existence when we'd talk seven days later.
3: God, it's, almost, uh, it's almost dramatic to listen to that now.
5: Yeah, I, I, and it
3: wasn't, just, it wasn't just you and I, John. I mean, I remember... Uh, a group of parents coming back from the national school that, that, that my kids went to in Kenya at the time and we were sitting around and the topic just turned to you know should everybody close their bank accounts and move their money overseas um, to to protect it you know that 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 real risk that everybody understood and feared that uh, the banks could disappear that uh, everybody's uh, savings could disappear that a functioning economy could disappear and remember. Talking at the time to to a senior Garda officer who told me that they were preparing for a uh, collapse in the you know food lines, food food delivery system, and really wondering how long it would take before uh, ordinary people started to storm supermarkets. Uh, and and it's been a very interesting uh, part of actually, I think, of the Ukrainian uh, crisis or the Ukrainian invasion and actually of the last couple of years just how strong supply lines have proved to be they were very durable during the crisis you know that, 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 that week that you just brought us back to in a kind of horrific way uh, despite everything food still did appear on supermarket shelves uh, just as it still appears on supermarket shelves in Kiev today it's mm. quite a remarkable in way how resilient we are but there's also you know those those days were 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 extraordinarily grim.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Colin. What are your memories of of that time twenty ten onwards? Uh, really, very tough.
3: It
4: was very tough uh, here in the, the the hotel. Here, we we were one of those hotels that, that fell into Nama. And I, I remember at the I, I, at the time uh, it, it looked very bleak, especially in ho- hospitality. But a, as we got through year on year, through, uh, uh, it, it did improve, and and and. Uh, one thing that struck me was that the the, the team that that we had here they were always positive they always were looking forward you know Um, and, and never gave up, and, and I think that, that that again, that resilience is something that, that that we've seen come through again and again, again showing that in in, in, in the COVID years.
2: Mm, it's it's important to to kind of, as they'd say, I don't know if it's the right term, but own that and kind of take that with us uh, as a strength for the challenges that lie ahead. You're listening to the bottom line, the program foreign about business on Casey Law on the line are Colin Duggan, president of Carlo Chamber of Commerce, and also Tom. Malloy, uh, Director of Communications at uh, Trinity College and we're looking back over the last 18 years of course uh, KCLR celebrating 18 years on air don't go away, we're going to take a break but we'll be back after
3: these
1: The KCLR Birthday Rewind Taking a look back at some of the biggest stories since 2004
3: The heart of Carlo Kilkenny This is your new KCLR 96FM
2: it was indeed and it still is 18 years on Casey KCLR still serving the people of Carlow County. you're listening to the bottom line the programme for and about business that's been on air quite a bit during the 18 years not all the time uh, but we, we're taking a look back at some of the stuff uh, I'm joined on the line by Tom Malloy and also Colin Duggan uh, Tom um, I'm going to play a clip from uh, 2013 which was about Glombia and uh, a big day for them and, and it turned turn uh, I suppose an important point in their history. Have a listen to this one. But um, Glumbia making history, and we've had it on the news today. Siobhan Talbot appointed as as chief executive to follow John Maloney when he he steps in. Really big news on a huge number of fronts, Tom.
3: It is. I mean, there there, there are two things that are you know, really outstanding here. The first is uh, John Maloney is you know he's he's been an outstanding chief executive for Glumbia. He really is an interesting guy. Very low key doesn't make a big song and dance about what he does but uh, when he took over the company was was a basket case and today is a day to celebrate John Maloney's uh, remarkable achievement in turning Zambia into a really good company absolutely actually. especially uh, is is you know it's a great day for for women it's the first time that a company listed on the stock exchange has appointed a woman
2: Tom, that was uh, Glambia leading the way. Quite extraordinary when you think back, and and there hasn't been a huge amount of, you know, the leveling up uh, in public companies. I, I don't think. I, I don't know the stats, and maybe you haven't. But Siobhan Talbot doing a doing a very big job in Glambia
3: Yes, it, it, it's usually I was interviewing Christine Lagarde once, and she said to me that. Uh, Women are only appointed to big posts when men have screwed things up completely, <laughs> and it's, it's by and large, it's true. You know, even in politics, you think about people like Margaret Thatcher coming in. It's only after people like Ted Heath screwed things up. This is this was very different. This this was an extremely successful company that was well positioned, that was doing well, and then they they, they turned to her and. The really depressing thing, I suppose, is so few companies have done that since. I think Francesca McDonald is the, the other perhaps outstanding one, and, and now she's left. So, Warren Talbot is is quite the veteran. She's survived all kinds of uh, turmoil. Uh, she's done a very good job. She's she's really, I suppose, in a way, been a safe pair of hands. She's continued on uh, John Maloney's dream of of expanding into the US, of expanding into new areas. Uh, a huge amount of well I guess has been created for for people in in Carlo and Cookkenny that, that may change a little bit now that the the structure has has changed um, part of me I have to say is, is sad about that but you know the the, the, the big picture here is that Glambia uh, creates really good jobs uh, does really good stuff um, and and Siobhan Talbot has been uh, again in the John Maloney mold in terms of being relatively low-key, not, not uh, as I said then, and I think it's true, not making a big song and dance about things, mm. getting on with stuff. And uh, uh, again, like John Maloney, somebody who was there for the for the long term, I, I think Glambier is almost like a a German company, a Mittelstand company. It's, it's quite unusual for a stock exchange company in, in terms of how few people have led it. How much kind of certainty there is, how reliable it is. Very, very rarely do they have trust profit warnings or anything like that. Deeply embedded in in the community in which which it's based, it would be impossible to imagine Gambia moving to Dublin or the US or something. Mm. It just couldn't happen. That's a, that's a great kind
4: of thing
2: for people living in, in this area yeah um, Dombia for certainly most of my lifetime previously have a more of course a fixture but um, Colin some big companies uh, that unfortunately during the last 18 years closed their doors in Carlo but went on you know and from the ashes of those businesses other stuff uh, emerged I'm thinking of the Sugar Factory which closed in 2005 Braun in 2009 Lappel in in 2007 a lot of changes in the landscape since 2004
4: so true, um, but but saying that they, 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 those co- those companies paradoxically in the boom they closed, but they were probably of uh, their time. What uh, what it gave was a a, a source uh, for engineering uh, in in Carlo. So you had companies like Auto Launch spring up, PB Machine Tech, the Burnside Group, um, PE Global, TANCO. There's, there's there's must be forty or fifty different engineering companies in Carlo. But they got they, 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 they were built the basis of, of, of uh, having a, a stock of some fantastic engineers coming out of those, those factories. Yeah and you of know. course
2: a big success story uh, in Carlo over the last 18 years has been MSD. Let's cast our mind back to this
0: an invest of 11.5 million euro has been announced for Carlo today. Healthcare company MSD has revealed plans to enhance its facilities and services at their Carlo town site. Stephen Byrne has the details. This announcement by
4: Merck Sharp and Dome was made during an official visit by the UN ambassador to Ireland, Kevin O'Malley, who toured the Carlo plant this morning. It's the latest phase in what's been a significant investment programme at the manufacturing facility that has seen 312 million euro pumped into the facilities there since they opened. The site in Carlow is MSD's first standalone human vaccine facility producing vaccines for customers across the world. The company employs over 2,000 people in Ireland across its five sites in
2: Dublin, Carlow, Cork, Tipperary and Wicklow. And uh, Colin just shows you that even though stuff closes, other stuff opens up, and the economy keeps going. I was looking at uh, comparison figures on unemployment, and uh, amazingly, I was I was quite surprised to see that uh, the unemployment rate at around four percent, I think, was the same in Ireland in uh, in um, two thousand and twenty two as it is in was in two thousand and four.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and MSD uh, has, has grown from, from, uh, from uh, as the smaller company in, uh, moved into an IDA plant, m- moving into its third phase uh, of, of building now. So I think that, 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 that piece you, you took was from a, uh, their, their second phase. So they're now planning the third phase and probably a fourth phase. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic story for Carlo. But just to put your, your point in re- regard to the uh, full employment, uh, at 4%, we're at full of, full employment, uh, and and that, that's the that's the challenge going forward for most businesses now, is is actually looking for uh, uh, new employees, uh, and uh, to for 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 the, for the their businesses to grow, they need to expand
2: yeah and Tom um, an iconic name in the history of Kilkenny uh, was Smidix of course and um, uh, Smidix sl- sadly closed um, I can't remember the, the year I think it was I, I won't venture on the year but it was definitely over that period unimaginable perhaps in 2004 but a reality now um, and even during the pandemic the Smidix experience announced its closure uh, although it is due to reopen but from the ashes of Smidix a new quarter to develop for Kilkenny. Uh, that's, there's a lot of positives there but Smithick's a big loss
3: Yeah there, I suppose there were two, two, two big uh, losses really for South Kakenny there was Waterford Wedgwood and uh, for, for kind of Central North Kakenny Smithicks uh, and in both cases it was, a, it was a long kind of drawn out thing really I mean Smithicks seemed to just get, get kind of smaller and smaller as, as time went on Again, a, a very good employer in its time. Uh, very, very important, I think, for, for Kilkenny's branding internationally. Because of course, Smithwick's is known as Kilkenny uh, in most markets outside of outside of Ireland. And uh, certainly, I, I, I spent a lot of time in Germany, and Smithwick's, uh, also known as Kilkenny, is served in, in many pubs there. And if you say you're from Kilkenny, people's eyes always light up, and uh, and they, they kind of think of it so it's it, it's it was not just a, a good employer it really uh, put kenny on the map
2: mm, and of course the abbey quarter uh building out of of the uh smithix site and here was a piece of news broadcast on kclr in 2014
0: Good afternoon, it's one o'clock. This is the Casey or Main Lunchtime News and Sport. I'm Sinead Birkin. First, the top local stories, the old Mayfair Ballroom in Kilkenny's to get a new lease of life. It's to house office space and other facilities as part of the council's plans to redevelop the Smithicks Brewery site. The plans for the building, which was being used as a canteen for brewery staff until its closure, will go on display next week for locals to view at county buildings. It'll involve some demolition and rebuilding work, while a public square will also be developed in the area
2: That's uh, Siobhan Burke of KC Law's news team back in 2015 Um, and of course uh, the uh, Mayfair Ballroom now to become the library in Kilkenny and uh, work underway on that Um, We have to think and we'll have to wrap this up up unfortunately but lots of great entrepreneurs and I'm looking back over the years uh, from uh, the start of the 21st century to all the local business people who've been honoured in the EY Entrepreneur of of the year. I'm thinking of David Walsh, Terry Clune, Michael Hoyne, Paul Young, Leslie Codd, Rachel Doyle, Lily Holmes, Seamus O'Hara, Zume, Germain, and Kevin Brennan. Uh, really some great entrepreneurs uh, in this area. Um, talk to us about that, Tom, and the importance of, of go ahead people in business.
3: Well, I suppose, you know, one one of the things we we, we tend to forget because it, it doesn't feel like this is, is that continue is a uh, an area that, that suffers from statistically quite quite a lot of deprivation, uh, and the, the the reality is that the, the only way to to remove that deprivation is is through good good employers, and of course one can rely on the state to a bit, uh, but it's very important uh, for Kenya, especially I think, to to avoid an over reliance on on one or two industries like like tourism and agriculture. And that's where the entrepreneurs really step in and 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 kind of give give color and texture to the to the economic landscape uh and it's and, and bring people uh to to the city and, and put it on the map i i i was always struck when i worked in, in the kikini people just how many ingenious people there were how hard working they were and how they were they were in 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 so many cases kind of driven by by a sense of purpose and, and commitment to to the local area because, of course, there are easier places mm. to, to set up a business, but, but people chose not to, yeah. and uh, some of the names you've mentioned there, like, one that just jumps out at me is, is, is Terry Clune because he, he isn't from Kakeni, you know, he's from, I think, sort of some because he knew it was a uh, mm. uh, he could see the potential and indeed he's, he's really run with that potential and created uh, hundreds and hundreds of jobs Yeah, it, but they could they could be anywhere. it's it's it's, it's, it's fantastic Kenny has been really blessed and, and Carlo as well I'm sure but I don't know Carlo's kind of local economy as well as I do Kenny has really been blessed right, by the business people who've uh, come up and stayed in Kilkenny and, and those who have moved to
2: Kilkenny. Mm, well, Tom, thanks for joining us this morning, but more especially, thanks for joining us over the years and giving us uh, your insights. Um, Colin, um, the future is bright for Carlo as well. Uh, the, the announcement just uh, last Sunday uh, finally, the Technological University of the Southeast, Carlo, now a university town.
4: Yeah, and, and I think that that is so important for the future of the town. I, I, it, it will be uh, the, 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 the space uh, that, that we'll see industry grow, now, not just uh, uh, the technology, University of the southeast. East. Um, so the, 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 uh, it's grown from in the 70s at 2,000 uh, students up to 9,500 uh, students last year. Mm. They're adding a, a new uh, science block and administration block over the next year or so. We'll we, 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 could, we be seeing uh, Carlo uh, uh, develop uh, its university status uh, uh, internationally yeah. uh, over,
3: over, over the next couple of years.
2: Well, listen, thank you both, Colin, Doggan. just
3: yeah. jump in there for a second? Tom, yeah, no, of course. I happen to know the, the new president of, of the university, and in fact, I, I met her yesterday. She's a colleague in, in Trinity, and she's Veronica Campbell. She's an absolutely fabulous mm-hmm. uh, appointment. I think, uh, you know, I've I, I watched what Veronica's done in Trinity. She's going to do a lot for for Carlo and for for the other parts of the university. Really good appointment. I mean, everything's going right there.
2: Yeah. Well, listen, uh, gentlemen, pleasure talking to you both and thanks for uh, your time this morning and thanks for everything over the years. Thanks, John. Okay. Tom Malloy and Colin Duggan uh, joining us there. Uh, We're going to take a break and we're going to be back with more, finding out what ministers have been at uh, around Cockenny and Carlo during the last week.
0: The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory
1: service to business. www.omf.ie Carlo,
6: Kilkenny, KCLR.
2: Casey Law you're listening to the bottom line well it's been another busy week for the newsroom here at Casey Law with even more of a focus on getting out and about across Kilkenny and Carlow to follow ministers, there's been a lot of them over the last couple of weeks Edwina Grace has more
1: we be forgiven for thinking an election was possibly on the way after the Carlow Kilkenny constituency hosted no less than seven ministers between Tuesday and Friday of this week one of them coming back for a second day Two were from the Department of Enterprise, Trade and Employment alone. Minister of State for Business, Employment and Retail, Damien English, having visited Kilkenny a few weeks ago, was back this week to meet some of Carlo's business community. Ciarán Comerford, who heads up the Economic and Enterprise at Carlo County Council, outlined the hopes from that encounter.
6: I suppose our main thing we're driving forward our economic development strategy, and we have a great ambition around developing a scale up campus on a road. We have planning permission in place, so we hope to work with the Minister and his Department over that for over the next number of years.
1: What do you need from him?
6: Uh, it's investment mainly from a viewpoint. It's a €4 million Euro project, but the regional funds are there. Uh, the Minister announced that the regional jobs plan is there, and we're well positioned to align to the regional jobs plan. And obviously, the wonderful news at the weekend, we're now a university town. A lot of ducks are coming in a row so it's a great time for Carlo to really ride that wave of opportunity.
1: Minister English, too, spoke about the impact the SETU would have on Carlo and the region as a whole. He spoke about the supports in place for enterprises and said we could expect further funding.
7: It certainly can. We're at the Enterprise House where they're hoping to expand that into an enterprise campus and that's under the regional enterprise plan. There's £180 million that decide to fund new initiatives. I've no doubt that the Carlo here will be able to probably win that 4 or £5 million to make that happen and I work with Deputy John Van Field and others to make it happen as well. That should happen hopefully in the years that that fund opens up this year. But a lot of other supports now businesses need. The Leo have a range of supports on a weekly basis for them but we will also design specific supports to get people through what the, the, the excessive costs at this moment in time as well. So I think Carlo is well fit to do well. I've met a lot of companies today, a lot of plans are in place, we launched the food website as well, a lot of potential there to develop the offering here through engineering, through agri-tech, through food, through tourism, but there's a lot here, if we can just help businesses we develop that, you know. The
1: uh, South East Technological University, the impact that will have on business uh, for the region?
7: I think it will be immense, a lot of businesses I've met today and also a lot of the support because there's, there's been a really strong engagement here in Cairo with the enterprise community, with the education system, be that in the education and training boards, be it through Cairo White there's been an established link there that we want to develop that even more to drive research, to drive R and d to drive innovation. And that's where you'll get that to the technical university. You'll see businesses here working with the technical university and their teams there around products or ideas or services, or so little innovations. But also you'll see the skills development, people coming out of the technical university to work in these businesses and help them grow. Because at the end of the day, these businesses, be they small or large, they can't grow or expand without people. And that's where technical university is immense to help that true part of talent come into the system. But also it helps attract business in. You'll see the IDA will have a much stronger presence here Enterprise Ireland because that technical university serving the southeast now would be immense I think it's brilliant to say you have a university in your town which you'll now be able to say here in Carole, it, it to me is really really important it'll suck investment in talent in but also produce talent and that's to me I think it's a game changer
1: on Friday his departmental colleague who has responsibility for trade promotion digital and company regulation paid a visit to Kilkenny Minister Robert Troy did this to say to
6: KCLR. I think government has been very good in terms of the response to businesses, particularly in the whole area of COVID. You know, you had the wage subsidy scheme, which has still been tapered off. It's still there for the most affected businesses. You had rates where you had the COVID restriction support scheme. You had tax warehousing. You had a whole multitude of supports to get businesses over the line, so much so that the legislation that I enacted in my department in relation to a summary rescue process, a process to help businesses restructure, kind of like an examinership light for small businesses, hasn't been availed of to the level that we would have anticipated because the supports were so good. Now, I do expect that later this year, some businesses, when their supports are finally waned off and when they reevaluate where they are, they will need to take that opportunity but that process is there ready. So any business that's under a shroud of debt will have the opportunity to restructure under the summary rescue process and it's ready to go. The message is that we understand they're going through a challenging time. They've come through a horrendous number of years because of COVID but I hope that businesses realise just like through COVID the government have their back. We continue to have their back and that's why I'm out meeting businesses to hear specifically in relation to the challenge that they're facing and to see what solutions we can help to ensure those challenges are overcome. We're not going to be able to solve every problem that exists, particularly in the context of energy costs, but we are there to support where we can.
1: Minister Robert Troy got to visit the Avalon House Hotel and the Enterprise Centre, which has a number of businesses in incubation units, including these entrepreneurs. Lindsay Fral and my business is Elsie Romas. How are you finding the challenges in business? Because it, it's tougher now more than ever, I suppose, with everything that's going on.
7: It is, but like everything else, we just
1: have to keep going and just keep advertising and social media and doing everything we can. Offers and just trying to get the name out there and get the product out there. If people want to check you out, where will they find you? They can find us on Instagram or on our website, which is www.lcaromas.ie.
8: Tom Burns, um, Vestico Print Solutions, Castle Comer, and we have a sister company called Funpacks.
1: It's been a very, very tough time for business. Not only COVID, we're talking Brexit, Ukraine, everything has had an impact. How have you found things and and how are you managing and getting through
8: the challenge? Yeah, it's kind of worked both ways for us, you know, in terms of companies used to use, UK companies in the past, founders best now to source within Ireland so we're definitely seeing a bounce there with new customers coming our way. On the other side of the equation, supplies is an issue supply chain management is coming a bit of a nightmare so we're having to hedge and buy more and more further out so which affects cash flow and you know so but so far we're managing it and um, we're staying on top of it but yeah we we'll hopefully we can uh, get, a, get around it and uh, drive on.
1: Have you found being based here in Castle has has that helped in any particular way?
8: You know what, we're an hour from the M50 here, you know, an hour from Waterford. So it's a great base for the South East. We're in Dublin an hour, as I said, and uh, what we're opening here will be a new print centre. So we hope to encourage people to call in, look at what they need, as I said to the guys earlier. We do everything from wedding cards, baptism cards, mortuary cards, through to brochures and all in between. So uh, we expect we're opening at the end of the month which is setting up on social channels at the moment and we'll be very proactive on that.
1: The visit of Minister Troy, what does that mean to you?
8: That's oh, great. great. Because, um, you know, sometimes you feel everything is kind of Dublin-centric and it's nice to, for them to get down and see what's actually happening outside the M50 and uh, hopefully he got a taste of what we're about. Did you
1: ask him for anything in particular uh, from a ministerial point of view is there anything to help uh, businesses like
8: yours? Well we give them a bunch of our information samples and so on so hopefully we'll follow up and see who's in procurement in the Department of Enterprise so hopefully Mike gets on their procurement list and get something from it.
1: Minister Troy also stopped off at City Hall to meet with other Kilkenny businesses as well as some local representative bodies. He was the last of seven ministers visiting locally this week, more are likely due in the coming months, hopefully bringing with them good news for Carlow Kilkenny and the southeast region as a
2: whole. Between grace they're uh, bringing an end to that report we we'll talked to ministers Damien English and Robert Troy, also Kieran Comfort of Carlow County Council as well as Tom Burns of Vestigo Print Solutions and Lindsay Frahill Byrne of LC Aromas both of whom are based at the Castlecomer Enterprise Centre. Stay with us where you're listening to The Bottom Line the programme for and about business. Coming up I'm going to be talking to David Carpendale about his business David Oliver Bespoke
0: The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now bring a complete life and pensions advisory
1: service to business www.omf.ie
2: Carlo Kilkenny KCLR Casey Lauren Deed you're listening to the Bottom Line the programme foreign about business on the station this morning we've been looking back over 18 years station first went on air in 2004 and the bottom line has been on air for a fair whack uh, of those 18 years and one of the big pleasures I have on the show is talking to new and emerging businesses as we were talking about earlier uh, the prosperity and the progress of this area economically uh, and so much more depends on having good local business I'm delighted to be joined on the line by David Carpendale and David is founder of David Oliver Bespoke, a furniture design company based in Strang Mills which is near Dunkirk in uh, South Kilkenny Uh, David, good morning to you Good
5: morning John,
2: thanks for having me on Yeah, uh, uh, furniture's loss is laws uh, or sorry, furniture's gain is laws loss, you nearly uh, embarked on a career in law, that was a close shave
5: that's right, yeah. So when I was um, finishing up in secondary school, I was looking at different options, and yeah, law was one of those those options as well. So I turned down, turned down law in Trinity College to, to go and study furniture in Connemara in Etrefrag and Galway. What
2: attracted you to um, furniture away from tort and all that kind of stuff?
5: To be honest, I think working with my hands, John, was the biggest thing. I've been around my father and my mother have been fantastic throughout my life, which kind of shown me, I guess, kind of yeah, creativity and um, artistic sides and stuff like that. And so I think um, I, when I was making a decision about a career in this, I just felt that working with my hands was going to be a, a better option, I think, for myself.
4: So yeah, and,
2: and we spoke. You know, we were talking at the start of the program about the changes in the economy um, and and society since two thousand and four. But furniture is is pretty much a constant. A chair is a chair, and a table is a table. But there's so many different types, uh, and but craftsmanship and quality and all that kind of stuff is so important and so precious.
5: It is, especially with, I think, our heritage here in Ireland. I think it just goes back so far with with craftsmanship and that. And I think, as you said there as well, that your know, chair is always going to be a chair. But obviously, you've got kind of evolving styles and, and, and kind of new ways of doing things here. And even just from looking at new businesses, architects and interior designers and you just see new styles that are coming through it's just exciting to be to be kind of developing and to be working working around those styles too so
2: yeah now we were talking earlier in the program as well about you know the 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 crash in the irish economy back around 2010 2011 um seems a long time ago but yet seems so close like so many others at the time uh, you were impacted as well uh, and and you had some emotional goodbyes at, at dublin airport
5: I did, absolutely. So I had finished, um, I kind of had to to spread the net a small bit from the furniture. So I I got into um, construction and carpentry and stuff as well. So thankfully I managed to get get through my trade as a carpenter and joiner on top of the furniture as well. So right at that time things had started to slow down a lot and I just kind of felt that I was worried about staying on. And I said I could see five or ten years going quickly and uh, there wasn't I was I was worried that I wouldn't have a lot to show for it so I decided to head away and and go to Australia and it was all a kind of a spur of the moment thing I was such a home bird I loved Kilkenny I loved home and I was I was nervous but thankfully yeah I, I, I waved my goodbyes and had some hand tools in my luggage heading off and after six or eight months, I just seemed to, yeah, really find a, a good spot there in South Australia. So.
2: Yeah, tell us about your feelings landing there and how you set about kind of carving a niche for yourself, no pun intended, on the other side of the world, down under, as they say.
5: To be honest, I was very lucky because um, there was a cousin of my mum's uh, in Vereker, so he was born and raised here in Kilkenny as well, so Eamon and his family had moved to to south australia about 25 years ago so eamon had a studio blowing glass over there um in adelaide so i had never met eamon before but mom just said to me maybe it might be nice just to, to pop in and say hello and get a feel for it there so at the airport in, in south australia when i landed eamon was there and it was just like knowing him all my life it was it was fantastic when i met him so
2: mm. Talk to us about your work out there. You were exposed to a lot of different styles, influences and so on. Um, you know, uh, the weather is different out there. The landscape is different. The lifestyle is different. Talk to us about the whole furniture area out there. What did you learn?
5: So I worked a lot, John, with, um, directly with kind of architects, um, which was amazing because they over there, they kind of had a system where... Like they would design and they would also build so they would have a license to to see their projects through right from the drawing board to completion. So it's kind of a haven for for woodworkers and carpenters there because everything is timber because the climate timber lasts a lot longer there and that. So I think I was yeah, I was working for a builder for about two years and then started my own business, um, which was kind of specializing in high end fit outs and, and furniture. So I think it was yeah, working with with architects quite closely, it just developed an eye and a real passion when I saw how airy and bright their soil was and it was yeah, I think I, if you were asking me about my, my preference for soil sizes, I think what they've got there is obviously it suits their climate and it suits the weather but, you know, things that are nice and clean and crisp, it's just um, they seem to be timeless if that makes sense. So.
2: Yeah, talk to us about your new company, you came back relatively recently but uh, David Oliver <laughs> bespoke you're, you're doing quite well
5: is good yeah so i came back last january so january 21 um and obviously it was kind of during the the heavy lockdowns and that with the pandemic so it took a little while to kind of get things together and to be able to travel around and buy some equipment and machinery so i was lucky enough that dad was retiring there at home and there was a little bit of space in his workshop so i just screened off a small section and just started getting into it kind of from i guess kind of last maybe May or June I suppose so really it's just coming up to a year now that I'm getting into it properly so thankfully, thank God, since then everything has been going quite good
2: Yeah, and if people want to to, uh, see some of your work, want to find out about more type of stuff how do they go about it? Do they visit you in the workshop? Do you have a website? What's the best way of finding out more about David Oliver Bespoke?
5: So I guess probably the website is the most... um, is the the easiest one to go to and then from there you can build um, John in the inquiry form and get in touch with me directly then the phone number is there and the email address so the website is ie, and uh, yeah that's got kind of a good little bit of a background and some images there and links to social media and stuff as well so I guess it's kind of yeah, if, if somebody was looking for me to describe it, I guess I, I'd find some tours that the website seems to be the best way to go so. Well, look,
2: David, uh, pleasure talking to you this morning and best of luck to your business. Um, doing great so far. Back just near, coming up to a year. Um, we love businesses like yours and we wish you every success.
5: Thanks so much for having me, John. Take Pleasure.
2: Care. That was uh, David Carpendale uh, of David Oliver Bespoke bringing our program to an end this week because, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for. Remember, if you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us, email us at the bottom line at kclor96fm.com. Or if you'd like to listen back to this show or any episode of The Bottom Line, you can search for The Bottom Line on KCLR on the Apple Store, Google Play, or Spotify. And of course, there's the fantastic KCLR app. Thank you to all our guests this week. Tom Malloy, Colin Duggan, Minister Damien English and Minister Robert Roy and to David Carpendale as well as the businesses that Edwina Grace talked to out in the Castlecomer Enterprise Centre. Thanks to Edwina Grace, a former producer of this show indeed for bringing us those interviews with the ministers and those businesses and to Deirdre Drummy, who produces the show and most of all, thanks to you for listening. I suppose thanks to everybody who's uh, stuck with Casey Law behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, on air, in the community, and all our partners over the last eighteen years. It's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege to meet so many of you and to broadcast to tens of thousands of you every week and also to connect with so many people on social media. I hope you'll join us again next week when we'll be back just after the news at nine. In the meantime, there's lots more to keep you entertained, informed, and engaged on Casey Laura. So until we speak again. Stay tuned, stay safe, and keep the faith.
5: The bottom
0: line on KCLR with John Purcell brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses
1: large and small across the southeast.